Welcome to the Big Mike Fun Podcast. We learn about advanced wealth building strategies from real estate investing to creating massive ROI and secure retirement profits. So pour yourself a cup of coffee, grab a notepad, and lean in. Because Big Mike has got the mic starting now. Welcome to the Big Mike Fun Podcast. I'm the Big Mike, Mike Zlatnik. Today it is my pleasure and a privilege to welcome back Chris Miles. Hi, Chris. Hey, Mike. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. How about you? Yeah, just excited to be here. How's the world in Utah? Uh, not as crazy as it is in New York. I can guarantee you that. But, uh, you know, it's, it's crazy <laughs> everywhere to some level, right? Yeah, we live in a very uncertain times. If I were to put any comment today, there's one certainty right now. It's the uncertainty. Things yeah. are very volatile and we just don't know where we're going to go from here. Hopefully to a better place than, than, than where we are now. Yeah, it's an upside down world, you know. What was used to be bad is now good. What was good is now bad. The stock market is up in the middle of a recession, you know. House, you know, you can't even buy a house because they're everybody's competing for the same stuff. I mean, it's it's a crazy, crazy little little world right now. Yeah, who knew? We were all worried and 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 concerned that the real estate prices would collapse, uh, <laughs> and they, 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 they are in, in fact doing better post COVID than pre COVID. Yeah, the stock market. Uh, just a quick commentary: you can't go against Fed. Fed went. Uh, completely mm -hmm. ballistic on, 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 on COVID. I mean, not just yeah. um, supportive. They went ballistic. And what they did is they provided massive liquidity, low interest rates, and they created mm -hmm. all this boost to the market. So, But yeah. let's talk a little bit about uh, what you do. So you live in the mountain state of Utah, one of mm -hmm. the best views. Um, <laughs> Salt Lake City, right? Just south of Salt Lake City, yep. So love it. Been there. Great, greatest views. Probably the Rocky Mountains are the most beautiful in the States, right? It's, it's, a, it's a gorgeous place. Oh, it is. Especially when you hit certain times of year. Just it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. You know, this time it's hot and dry. So this is the time where I say, all right, come on, turn fall colors. Let's get some color in this place again. And then pretty soon the snow hits and then you got snow-capped mountains, right? Well, you have all four seasons and great skiing and great yeah. uh, everything. So let's talk a little bit about... Uh, so. You, you live in Utah. Uh, mm -hmm. You got eight kids. Yep. That's amazing. You are, you know, uh, I remember years ago, this is a, the joke. They got to give people a medal, right? I mean, if you have two kids, it's like an average. Uh, if you have three or four, you're good. Mm -hmm. Once you start getting up there and you get to eat kids, it's a yeah. lot of hard work. So you, you and your wife, you guys got to get a medal for bringing up uh, so many, you know, great great new citizens to the, you know, our future. So <laughs> I'm my, giving my, you my, my medal for that part as far as I'm yeah. concerned. No, my, my wife definitely needs a medal for that for sure. Because uh, I mean, granted, we both share in the responsibilities of the family and everything because I'm semi-retired and whatnot. But I'll tell you, I mean, I have six kids. She's got two from our previous marriages. I mean, obviously she going from two to eight is a lot different than me going to six to eight, right? For me, it was just like, all right, just throw a couple more on the Barbie, right? But for her, <laughs> it's like, it's, it was earth shattering. I mean, she's way more of a saint than I was for doing that. That's a great point. Uh, I, I, I love you. you. You're in better position for sure. <laughs> for sure. So she gets the medal. Um, yep. Now let's talk about business. So you do yeah. great, great work in infinite banking. And let's mm -hmm. cover, let's chat about it. We talked about it in the past. And it seems to be coming back. Uh, just 
let's start with the basics. Uh, yeah. What is infinite banking? Yeah, infinite banking is just a fancy term uh, that people use to let your money flow in and out of life insurance, right? Specifically whole life, right? Um, what most people don't realize, most people all know what term is, right? And they, it's just, it's death insurance. You, you pay into it, you die, you finally get paid. Actually, you don't, your heirs get paid, you get nothing, right? You're dead. Um, but with whole life, it actually is life insurance. You know, it's got a cash value savings component, like a tax-free, much like a Roth IRA, right? Where you can actually, you know, use it. Um, but what most people do when they buy a whole life policy, they usually will buy it from an agent that will often will have it with heavy free fees up front, which it normally does, right? Um, so for example, say you're putting in 25,000 a year, after two years doing 25,000 a year, you're lucky to have maybe a thousand bucks in there in two years. So it's all going to cost, right? So this is why guys like Dave Ramsey hate it. They always hate on it and say, hey, this is horrible stuff. Not that Dave is like the best advisor for creating wealth, right? He's good for being broke, but not for wealth creation. <laughs> but here's the key. Like the difference is like I do more of a max ROI policy where the death benefit's not so much the focus, it's that cash value because the thing is like a Roth IRA, you can only put in 6,000 a year or 7,000 a year if you're over the age of 50. But with life insurance, there's not those kind of caps. I mean, other than maybe 25% of your stated gross income that you can dump into these things. And it's, it grows tax-free and it comes out tax-free, assuming you do it correctly. And so the, the nice thing is like we can actually let the money grow in here, um, make pretty, pretty competitive with market returns when you factor in that you can usually net, at least the way I design these policies, usually can net at least a 5% average per year return on this tax-free. You know, so if you factor into your tax bracket, that's like getting over a 7% rate of return in the stock market, which by the way, the stock market has only averaged seven and a half percent for the last 30 years before they take out all your management fees. So you're lucky in your little IRAs or 401ks to get six, six and a half percent. You know, here we can actually do just at least that, but without all the market craziness, right? Um, but that's if you let it go long-term. Uh, from an investor standpoint, and that's more the standpoint I come from, I try to reduce those costs as much as we can, where we do a minimal death benefit with the maximum amount of cash going in, whatever that is. So I always reverse engineer. I always figure out like, hey, what's the max we want to put in per year? The minimum is going to be about one quarter of that. So if your max you're putting in per year is, say it's that same 25,000, the minimum is actually only about 6,000. And what's cool is, uh, is that first year, for example, you put in 25,000, instead of having zero in the first year, you'll actually have about pretty close to $20,000. The second year you do it again, you might have another 22, 23,000 going in. So now you're already at about 42, 43,000 instead of 1,000, right? All because of the way we can manipulate costs and do things. Um, and what that does allows you to use that cash to go and invest. And now you can double dip on your money by getting your money working in two places at the same time. We can talk about that in a second. Uh, that's absolutely brilliant. Uh, I, I, I understand this pretty well. And um, I have to say that that's the absolute honest truth. If you set up the policy with greater uh, kind of cash uh, ability to access cash in the early years, it helps yeah. if you're an active investor and you see a better opportunity. So it creates a both. It's a self um, self funding mechanism. Uh, whenever yeah. you need the money, in the meanwhile, it's growing at a five percent. Uh, mm -hmm. Imagine that versus money sitting in the bank. So you put the money in the policy, it's growing at a 5% versus you keep the, the money in the bank and I don't even know what they pay you. As soon as it's yeah. going to be negative rate, it's, the yeah. rates are so low. 
<laughs> We're going Seriously. towards Japan model. <laughs> you may be paying the bank to keep your money. So investing in, in a uh, whole life policy like this, designed to give you access to liquidity and grow your money at 5%, is pretty good. Not only that, just a yeah. quick commentary. From everything I heard, investing in a high-quality uh, life insurance company, some of these uh, Penn, Mass Mutual, and mm -hmm. a few other ones. It is extremely safe. It's like a one of the safest parts of your portfolio. It it it's yeah. probably as good as FDIC guaranteed. Any thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah, they uh they have what's called reinsurance uh, that every company is is by law required to buy, right? So there's these reinsurance companies that insure an insurance company in case they go belly up, in case they become they go default, right? So and that's pretty rare. I mean, if you look at the the Great Depression. Right, where we saw 50% of banks going out of business, only about four insurance companies actually went out of business during that time. Um, main reason is because uh, insurance companies don't over leverage themselves like banks can. Like we remember the last recession, we saw that happen so often where banks were failing because they had over leveraged themselves. They were loaning out more than they can create. And then when people are defaulting on loans, they were in, in a bad cash crunch. Insurance companies don't have that problem because they can't do that sort of thing. They just take this dollar for dollar. They invest their money or make it in usually in low, you know, like long-term bonds and things like that, treasuries and whatnot that they put in very low risk. And then they pay you dividends based on their, their company's profitability plus the, uh, the returns of their investment, all that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, even if they were to go out of business, the insurance company steps in, make sure everything's there, like every, better than FDIC. If, if all the banks failed, we only get 2 or 3% of our money back from FDIC here, this is fully funded. So even if they did happen to fail, which doesn't happen very often, there's still insurance company to back it up, make sure that your stuff stays in place. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. We just did the deal and you're familiar with the deal Riverbend. Oh yeah. So that deal, the primary mortgage funder or the Voya life insurance company, I think uh, they, yeah, life, the insurance companies, they actually need the, that first lien mortgage income. So they're happy yes. to, to lend the money out fairly safely. Uh, and that generates the returns for them. What's most fascinating in this very low interest rate environment, the struggle for them is to pay you that four and a half, five percent and lend the money out at a profit. So it, it's, That's right. it's a challenging environment for uh, insurance companies because their mandate is to invest the money safely. Yes, so. absolutely. And that's, and that's definitely, uh, if there's anybody that will come out with a, uh, you know, some sort of criticism, they'll say, well, Hey, over time, the dividends have been going down. Like, some of the companies I use are usually between about 6% or so right now currently. Most are in the fives that they're paying. Um, and people would say, well, yeah, they're going down because interest rates are going down. Well, that's true. Well, if there's hyperinflation, they decide to drive rates back up. That also drives their rates back up too. You know, So it can happen both ways. Although it is highly unlikely, mm -hmm. if ever, the rate's going to go up. I mean, this is my opinion. I, I don't know what you think, but I, I think we're going straight to the Japan model. We're going to get uh -huh. to very low into negative rates because mm -hmm. look at what's happening right now. They're borrowing more and more money, and the debt-to-GDP yeah. ratio is increasing. So yeah. what happens when the debt-to-GDP ratio increases? There's only one thing to do, go mm -hmm. to negative interest rates. Why? Because negative rates are better than default. That's right. <laughs> It's true. And, and that's, and that definitely can happen. I mean, well, give you an example. I mean, my, my savings account, even, well, sorry, I'll even go with my money market. It was a little bit more drastic. My money market account in February was paying 0.45 in one of my accounts. When I looked at it again, just last month, it was down to 0.1, right? Um, you, you, which is ridiculous. And that's taxable interest too, right? I'm getting taxed on that money, whatever little bit it is. 
my life insurance didn't change because it can only change once per year. Now, I did ask the companies, I said, hey, what would happen if we did move into more of this very low rate environment like we're kind of moving into? They said, you know, if, you know, one of the companies was at 6.1. They said, we might go from 6.1. They've been between 6.1, 6.34 for the last 15 years. They said, we might go down to 5.6 if we stay long-term in this environment. Well, that's what they're paying on the money that you invest into the life insurance policy. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So I, the general expectation, I would, I would agree with the trend that as rates are very low, life insurance companies can only pay lower uh, returns. And if they go into negative, it'll be a little bit less. Yeah. So, but the primary benefit is not just the four and a half, five percent or even 5.5% return, mm -hmm. but it's access to, to, to the capital. Uh, right. and, and ability to take action with it, with that cash. So you're basically self-banking. Mm -hmm. You become a yeah. bank that you can lend back to yourself without a fancy credit application and mm -hmm. two years of tax returns and whatnot. <laughs> you're the owner of the policy. You can literally borrow the money from the policy on one quick form, sign it, send it back in, and you get a check. Yeah, and depending on which state you're in, there's also, a, a in most states, there's 100% protection from lawsuits and creditors. I mean, other than the IRS, because IRS can get to any money, right? But if you have lawsuits or creditors in most states, this even if you have millions of dollars saved up here, they cannot touch it. Uh, it's very much like 401k protection, right? Where 401k is kind of similar guidelines there. You know, but if you have money in savings, people can take it right out of your bank just like that. Home equity, they can take it. But here, it's protected. Great point. Because life, life insurance and IRAs are not you. It's the yeah. trust for the benefit of, well, I guess beneficiaries, whoever, when, when, when you pass on, it's, it's a policy mm -hmm. that, so makes a yeah. lot of sense. Uh, that's great to hear. So how would people go about uh, reaching out and working with you? Because this is a great product. Um, mm -hmm. Is there, we'll, we'll dive a little bit more into um, what else you do, but let's just talk about life insurance, this life insurance, infinite banking. What's the best way? How do you, how do they reach out? Yeah. Uh, one thing I'd recommend is go on YouTube and look at, look like a webinar that has me. If you look up Chris Miles, infinite banking, um, there's a video on there. It says webinar, getting your investment money to pay you twice. Where I talk about how you can double dip on the returns, make money in two places at the same time. Um, watch that video first. Cause it'll give you a lot of those details. It goes deeper. Uh, then if you're like, Hey, that sounds awesome. Then just reach out to me, shoot me an email or you can go to my website, moneyripples.com and you can actually send me a message through there too. So I was referring to the website. It's better to have a website with a link to the YouTube so people don't have to go find you. So moneyripples.com is the way to go find Chris rather yep. than go YouTube and search for Chris Miles. That would be my, <laughs> my two cents. But Yeah, you might, you might find a rapper, a little kid rapper that's named Chris Miles. That is not me, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, it's the little you, the impersonator. But <laughs> that's right. Those copycats. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now let's talk a little bit about financial planning. You also work with folks on the financial planning side. Mm -hmm. um, just let's start with the basics. What do you do? How do you help them? Because this infinite banking is part of the financial planning, right? It's yeah, part of it the is. strategy. It's just, it's just one little piece, right? Like it's not the whole thing. Like, here's, here's the thing I can promise you. There is no product offered by a financial advisor, including life insurance, that will make you financially free. Like it just, the returns aren't there. Right? with inflation that you're chasing, when you're trying to live off income, things like that, you can never really save enough in a mutual fund or an IRA. You can never save enough in your life insurance, at least not a re it would be an obscene amount of money if you're trying to retire short term, especially in the next 20 years, right? But 
Um, if you combine it with things just like what you do, Mike, where you've got your own fund, right? You've got, you do these alternate, alternative investments. Like that is critical. And, and that's what I realized. I realized that in 2006, I was the mainstream financial advisor before I became the anti-financial advisor, right? Um, as a mainstream up until 2006, I started to run those numbers and realized no one could retire, you know, because the numbers, you know, the market numbers weren't as big as they said they were. They were like seven and a half percent for the last 30 years is an actual yield on the S&P. Um, also, I realized that inflation was higher than I was stating. So when I put in real numbers into my little financial models, people weren't able to retire. It was really depressing conversations with people as a financial advisor, right? Um, so either I lie or I just fluff the numbers a little bit to make them look better so they feel hope, but down the road they won't have hope, <laughs> um, or I stay in integrity. And so in 2006, I left the financial advising space, said I'll never do it again. I will just teach ballroom dancing and I'll do mortgages as a mortgage broker. Um, but you know, definitely people kept, you know, I was able to retire in 2006. I was able to do, do like real estate investing and things like that. That got me to retire. People are like, well, how'd you do it? You know, so I came out of retirement in 2007 to teach that. And so I'm, that's why I'm the anti, cause I I'm against mutual funds, like from the standpoint of trying to retire off of them and that sort of thing. If you want to have some in your portfolio, fine, but don't bank on them. Right. Um, you really do need help. And that's where finding someone who could say, hey, let's look at your whole picture here. Where do we find money? And how can we turn that away to be able to help you make more, right? Um, give you an example. I know that we were just talking about somebody before we were talking here that we share as a clientele. Like they're investing in your fund. They're also a client of mine. Um, you know, they're dentists. And what was fascinating is looking at their situation. I was like, well, yeah, you've got all the components here. We can get you retired in the next year or two. You know, we can move this or that, or what should we do with these IRAs? Or should we go here or there? I'll never tell people to just invest, right? Like I'll never say you should invest here because that's, a, you know, cross the line. I don't do that. But I will say, hey, if you invest in this place or if your goal is cash flow, here's the type of things you can invest in. These are the ones that will give you these kind of results. Um, if you're not going, if you're going for growth, here are some great things you can do as well and fits in that model. And then we just discuss and figure out what's the right fit for them based on what they feel is good. Um, but what's amazing is that with them, I was like, we can get you guys retired in the next couple of years. He, he's already ready to sell his practice. He said, Chris, I would sell it today. Yeah. Especially after COVID, I would sell it today for a 10% discount. If somebody would buy it, I would do it right now. I'm like, good. Well, we can plan around that too and make it work to where you could retire comfortably and be fine. Oh, and by the way, we, they actually had me look at their infinite banking policies in the next 20 years. We actually replaced it from what they were doing with another infinite banker, quote unquote, um, it's going to make them over $2 million more of cash in the next 20 years doing the same thing dollar for dollar, just doing it more efficiently. Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, I mean, uh, I can tell you that I have a, one of these policies and, and it wasn't designed the right way. And yeah. uh, it, it's unfortunately was good for the, for the, <laughs> the agent, <laughs> for the agent in the they commission. They good money. Yeah, it, it, they, they offered the most uh, commissioned product. It was a good product, but it, it was yeah. just best commission for them. Yes. So, and the most, uh, uh, most interesting, what, what you just said is um, many people have mm -hmm. enough assets today. They just don't realize and actually retire. Yeah. It's almost like revelation. Let's go through your stuff or what do you got? A whole bunch of stuff that's not sitting in the right place. And if it's, you put it in a better uh, investment vehicle, mm -hmm. uh, you can suddenly feel a lot more comfortable and confident that you can uh, live off, basically retire, be, be a passive investor at that point. 
So right. it's it's a great feeling, and uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's a it's a great uh, satisfaction for you to be able to work with people and look at their stuff and say, wait a minute, you don't think you can retire, but you can. Here's the roadmap. So yeah, you. Yeah, talking about planning, you know, it's funny to see the difference between how you and I think versus what the traditional model thinks like, right? Because the traditional model is save up those assets, be big, and then try to live off less than the interest. So you don't yeah. run out of money. Or, or earn the 2% two, 2% uh, yeah. returns, the dividends on S&P 500. Wonderful. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sure. I mean, it, it, it certainly can, can keep your, you know, your, your wealth, but it doesn't give you enough income. That's one of the problems with the stock market. Yes. It's one of the major problems. Uh, the P is being so high that the incomes and the distributions of dividends are just, just out of control. So what's happening out there in many ways, in my opinion, unfortunately, the market doesn't listen to me. <laughs> it's, it's overvalued. But relative yes. to what? Relative to the, these very expanded P's. The reality is very yeah. low interest rates. There are no alternative of bonds. Mm -hmm. Companies uh, can use this very low interest rate environment to have these massive P expansions. And that's what's happened. So yeah. uh, we're dealing in this environment where people are willing to pay these very high prices for very low incomes. Uh, in mm -hmm. the stock market, and pretty much the play is appreciation. If somehow that thing breaks, it's going to be bad. It's going to be, you know, yeah. no certainty. Asset prices could collapse. Who knows what's going to happen? So the, the predictability yeah. of that is very low. That's right. Yeah, you know, I remember 20, almost 20 years ago when I first became a financial advisor. Like, I remember my goal was to save up $2 million by the time I was 40, and then live on the, like, live on 4% a year, which... Back then, I thought 4% a year, that'd be 80,000 a year. That's amazing, right? I thought that was the biggest lifestyle ever was $80,000 when I was, you know, I was 24, 25 years old. So 80,000 sounds like an obscene amount of money. Today, it sounds like you're barely surviving, right? So inflation's yeah, inflation, big. Yeah. yeah, but I'll tell you, like the other thing is too, like we mentioned interest rates dropping. Um, we're seeing this with everything else. When people try to go into retirement plans and be more conservative, right? They used to say 4% a year, but that was based on a model from the 1970s. That doesn't work anymore. If you want to, you want to, and we're living longer than we did in the 1970s. So you want to make sure you don't outlive your money. And with the lower returns, you probably, like you were saying, do more like a 2% rule, which think about it. If you had $2 million living on 2%, that's 40,000 a year. You're about the poverty line. As a multimillionaire, you're at the poverty line. But $2 million, like I know, even with funds like yours and things like that, Someone could turn that into multi, like to at least six figures a year minimum, you know, very different lifestyle. And, and, and that's what blew my mind in 2006 when I saw, wait a minute, it's not about trying to live off less than the interest, like trying to, you know, let it stretch out because that's what financial companies want you to do. They want you to leave your money in there so they can have more assets under management and make more commissions. But when you do things with alternate, alternative investing, especially if there's cash flow from it, now, if you make an 8% or 10% return, that's a massive difference. That, I mean, that's the difference between having a, you know, 40,000 a year versus 160 or 200,000 a year from that same $2 million. It's a, it was mind boggling for me. It blew up in my whole world and that's why I could never go back. My, my brain got stretched too much. <laughs> that's right. So what's possible in real estate, especially now, what's got really, really attractive, real estate does work on leverage. It's, it's the most yep. financed uh, asset class out there tax yeah. advantage. And uh, uh, a lot of projects take advantage of very low interest rates and then they borrow and they create uh, leverage. Now, leverage has risks, obviously, but if it's a good, healthy leverage into productive assets, 
uh, it's a hedge against inflation, number one. Number two, can generate substantial income uh, and substantial growth. So predictability is right. much higher, and, and, and um, it's, it's a very different investment from your traditional Wall Street. You have to realize that the Wall Street made it extremely easy. That's been their mm. uh, the selling food point. Of money. That's what of money. You get your junk. It, it, it has no health. You'll die early from it. <laughs> it has no real benefit, but it's out there for your convenience. They're, they're great marketers. The Wall Street uh, uh, bunch of brilliant marketers, and that's what they've sold to the masses. So that's right. um, going back to, um, uh, to infinite banking. Hmm. So do you have any kind of brilliant, like, give people a, a hint or a great idea or, or some really advanced technique I'm, because the, the basics they know they need to work with you but you have some really cool thing with infinite banking uh one of these interesting uh obviously you could use it as your own retirement sure. we actually set up uh for my wife uh whole life policy as a retirement so the objective is to to use it instead of put your money into 401k or not a 401k but ira set yeah. scp ira and there's no age restriction either, like you have with IRAs and 401ks, which is nice. Yeah, so this is what we discovered. It's, it, it, it's, it's better than its tax advantage. It, it works better than you know, just contributing to an IRA. You're not dealing with the limits. And, and uh, so any other interesting thoughts? Yeah, so, so I'll give you an example. A guy I just talked to today, he, he was looking at it because he, he had seen a YouTube video I was on and stuff. And he's like, you know, I've heard about this, but it seems unique. Um, anyways, I mean, in his situation, he's, he was thinking about trying to retire early, which like you said, you know, Roth IRAs and other IRAs are pretty tough because you still have that 59 and a half rule you have to deal with. Right. Well, he's like, well, that sounds cool. But you mentioned you can do stuff with real estate investing. Like you could actually make money in two places in the same time. How does that work? Well, I told him, I said, well, here's the deal. Like you can put money in, right? You can. And the cool thing is unlike a Roth where you're only limited to six or 7,000 a year, you could put in a lot more. So in his example, he's like, well, show me what 60,000 a year would do. Because the max, so the max he could put in is 60,000. He's 43 years old. Um, the minimum on that's like just under 15,000. So about a quarter, right? Well, so he's got some flexibility. He doesn't have to put in that much per year, but he's putting in, he wants to put in 60,000 a year for the next eight years before he retires. Well, the cool thing is he wants to buy real estate with this. And I said, that's perfect because if it's, you know, either growth oriented, it could be short term investment, or if it's cash flow oriented or, or even dividend oriented, whether you're getting paid quarterly dividends or whatever it might be. The cool thing is you can take that money, borrow from the insurance company, right? So the insurance company gives you like this line of credit. That's almost like getting a home equity line of credit, but instead of only paying interest, you get paid interest. Because the cool thing is if you have the money in here growing tax free, you borrow from the insurance company, all the money's still here. You could take a withdrawal from insurance, by the way. You can withdraw it just like a savings account. It takes about a week to get the money, by the way. Um, you could take that out, but if you withdraw the money, you lose the ability to earn interest on that money. But if you leave it all in there and you just take a, a line of credit against from loan. the insurance company. It's actually company, a loan. Yeah, it's just like a loan. The cool thing is a loan has no minimum monthly payment. It's not on your credit report. It's, it's perfectly a, just a private loan that you're getting from the insurance company. But uh, they will charge interest like 5% a year, for example, right? Um, however, if you use that money in something that does cash flow, and it can be used to pay off debt, sure, but it can be used especially for asset building. Because if you can go buy a property with this, you borrow the money, a week later you got the money in your checking account, you go and use it to buy an investment, 
Then as the cash flow is coming in, you use that cash flow to pay back on that line of credit. Because you can pay it back however, whenever you want. The, the loan is only due in full when you die. So death is your deadline. And they just take that out of the death benefit anyways. But no, it, it, it's yeah. incredible. What you described is you have money in the bank. You mm -hmm. can keep it and get your point uh, 1% or whatever, some tiny yeah. interest. You take that money, you put into whole life, uh, infinite banking policy so that and you're flexible, you could put more or less. Mm -hmm. And um, you have an, an investment opportunity, you pull it out, as you mentioned. Yeah. Investment is producing income. And now if you had the cash in the bank again, it would sit there and earn nothing. Instead, right. you take that cash and you pay back to the life insurance company. The money is working at a life insurance company at that 5% rate. And, and it's, you're not, it's almost like uh, you, you just, you can always keep the money working at a 5% rate at minimum yeah. while the banks pay you absolutely nothing or, or fractional percentage. And this is the key distinction. This is the part that I didn't understand until about 10 years ago and it blew my mind was there's, there's two different types of interest. There's simple interest and there's compound interest, right? Um, see, understand that. So when somebody says, well, hey, if say I'm netting 5% on my, my policy, even though they might pay you more, right? But let's just say it's 5%, but I'm paying 5%. I'm not earning anything. It's just a wash, right? You'd think because five minus five is zero. Well, interest doesn't work that way because understand that when it's in your policy, it's compounding tax-free. When you're using, using that loan, remember that money you're taking back from the income that's coming in, you're using it to pay down the loan. So what happens is that the interest you're paying goes down, down, down. Just, just like when you have a loan, like a car loan, every payment you make more and more goes to, towards principal than interest. Not because the interest rate changed because the interest rate's the same. It's because you paid the balance down. Yeah, compounding. So, yeah, so it's a simple interest as it's paying down. So it's almost like if you look at a chart, interest goes down like this on the simple interest, the loan side, but the compound interest is going up like this. On, on, the, on, on, on the growth of the cash value of the portfolio. Uh, yeah, exactly. On the growth of that savings inside the life insurance. So what happens is that you're actually making a net. Um, if you look over time, like I, I ran a scenario for somebody who bought a turnkey property and, uh, and the net ended up being after nine years of doing that and paying down the loan with the cash flow and everything, the net ended up being about a 6% rate of return on top of the return they're making on their, on their, uh, their property, right? So if you're earning, let's say, a 12% cash on cash return on your property, add another you know, 5 6% on top of that, and that's what you're earning because of the life insurance. So the life insurance is actually allowing you to make money in two places at the same time, interest inside the insurance policy is compounding. At the same time, you're making money on your investments over here. It's almost like throwing on, even, even with somebody that's 50 years old, it's still throwing an extra 3 4% on top of whatever return you're making on your investment. So it becomes a no-brainer. Yeah, and it's, it's absolutely brilliant. The other interesting, you know, just a quick thought, some people are worried about legacy and life insurance policy have been used uh, by Rockefellers and, and many of the uh, super wealthy to create uh, generational wealth. And yeah. it's a way to pass um, uh, value or, or assets or, or capital to your heirs tax-free. That's so right. the code is written. I, I don't know what's going to happen forward. Maybe they'll write some crazy code. They're going to tax this stuff. Who knows, right? Mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a whole, I mean, if you hear what's going on right now in California, they, they're proposing to start taxing wealth. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Life insurance is going to be outside of all that, right? If you have a life insurance <laughs> right. policy and you 
uh, they're trying to tax you. It's not your wealth. It's 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 basically the benefits of your heirs. It's kind of yeah. interesting. You're going to tax little kids that are, you know, who knows? <laughs> that poor orphan Annie, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but we're living in a world where the taxes are only going up. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. it feels like um, the, the the budget problems, the deficits, and the, mm. and the inability of the government to manage the budgets, they're going to need yeah. to have higher taxes to manage. Uh, and it, it is uh, something that we have to worry about. And life insurance is a, is a mechanism that creates uh, legal tax shield. It's, it's like you could do tax um, avoidance or tax evasion, right? So right. tax evasion is illegal. Tax avoidance is perfectly legal. That's right. Life insurance is tax avoidance. Yep, totally is. You know, and you kind of remind me of something too when you talk about the Rockefellers, not just for the death benefit and the legacy, which is a huge cool thing, um, but you know, even if you've ever been to Walt Disney World, right? If you've been to Disney World, you're seeing evidence of life insurance, like like the benefit of life insurance because Walt Disney could not get financers for buying or that whole property in Orlando. He wanted to build out Disney World, but they, they said, no, it seems too risky of investment. You need to put up more of your own cash. Well, where did Walt go to get his cash? His life insurance. He actually leveraged his life insurance policy as the cash down payment. The banks then came in with the rest, right? And they were able to leverage it there. They understand that life insurance, whole life especially, was as a tool used way, like especially before the 70s. The 70s is when all the financial advisors started coming out and marketing like crazy, buying mutual funds and stocks. People thought stocks were more of a gamble, and they still are. But uh, now it's become more mainstream, where back then, that was the mainstream. People were using that just like Disney. Yeah, there is misconception. It's, 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 it's interesting. When I, when I started an AI career in, in technology and we were all trained into 401ks, the only option we had available, a bunch of funds. And I always noticed they were heavy in fees funds. All these 401k plans just had the fund fees, the mm-hmm. custodian fees, the administrator fees, and all this stuff just felt very heavy. And then um, years ago when I was... Uh, chatting about life, life insurance before I went you know, invested uh, into life insurance, uh, some of the uh, financial advisors who were selling stocks, the, 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 the whole song was, no, 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 don't do that. Those things are so heavy in fees. Uh-huh. You're going to pay some life insurance agent of seen amount of money. In reality, it's the reverse is true. I mean, everybody sings the song that's, that, that works for them. And yeah. they, were, they were singing the song that was working for them. So... Uh, it's and there's partial truth to that because I'll, I mean, that's the cool thing. Like I'm kind of at the point where I don't need to make the money, but that's why more people are using me to do life insurance than ever. You know, it's the ironic thing is like when you're out of the rat race, that's when everybody wants to pay and do things with you, you know? Um, but uh, I'll tell you, like, it's true. I mean, there are hefty fees, like a normal whole life policy. If you pay into it for 15 to 17 years, you'll finally break even, right? So if you put in 10,000 a year for 17 years, you'll finally have 170,000 at that point and then it'll start to exceed. Um, the difference though is when you cut, when you find creative ways to cut back on those, those insurance costs and fees and allow more money to get stuffed in there with less cost, um, which is what I do, That's right? the main benefit, yeah. Yeah, then instead of taking 15 to 17 years to break even, you do it in five. You do it in five years and then from there, it's just exponential, you know? So with my, with my kind of policies when I'm writing them, only the first two years or so has actual net cost, but from about year three or four on, there's always a net gain. So it's almost like what I call a supercharged tax-free savings account, right? Where it's just growing tax-free, it's allowing money to go in, 
So somebody's like, well, what if I can't pay like that guy? He's like, what if I can't pay 60,000? Well, I said, well, you're not even required to pay it because you can pay less. But even if you did, especially if it's like the third year, say you borrowed from the cash to then put it right back in. It's just borrowing from it to go right back in again. You know, um, I had a guy who's, it was a doctor said, Hey, I want to put in a hundred thousand a year for three years and then stop. I said, well, we could do that. We just have to have you borrow from it the month before it's due to put it back in. And he did. And even after the seventh year, when he could stop paying altogether, he still had over 250,000 in cash, even though he only put 300,000 in and he was just putting the money in and let it pay for itself, you know, like, uh, and then it grew tax free from that point on anyways. So there's all kinds of creative things you can do with it. Yeah. I, I like the supercharged, uh, supercharged uh, tax savings account when the rates were higher. Uh, this didn't look like at least you can get some return in the bank, but now you mm-hmm. can get any yield. So yeah, st- st- stuffing cash into policy beats the, the heck out of keeping cash in the bank. I mean, that's a real simple, um, you know, if people can't come up with any other benefits, that's a re- one simple one. So back yeah. to, we're out of time, uh, mm-hmm. moneyripples.com. Uh, appreciate you very much. Uh, thank you again. Um, any final thoughts? Um, we got to do it again. This, this was, <laughs> unfortunately we can't have these episodes to run too long. So we're trying to of keep course. It a little bit short. Um, yeah, the same and, thing on my podcast as well. They're like 20 minute episodes and that's it. So, uh, I would just say final advice is this, is that, um, you know, we, if we were to sum all this together is that there's hope, like there's way more hope and possibility of what you think you can create with the money that, and the resources you have. Um, that's the biggest shocker for people. When I talk to them, they realize, wait a minute, are you saying I can generate another you know, several thousand a month passive income? And the answer is yes, if it's not locked up. And, and right now is your golden opportunity. Real estate markets at all-time high while interest rates are an all-time low. It's the best time to get cash out of your home. It's the best time to get cash out of the market. Not saying that you should take your money out of the market as a disclaimer, um, but markets at all-time highs, real estate's all-time highs. There's cash. You've got equity. This might be the time to actually put it to use so it works for you finally for the first time in your life. That's a great advice. I, I, it feels like we have real inflation and, and mm-hmm. there needs to be a way to, to mitigate. Real estate is one of them. I mean, yeah. whole life is a very interesting tool to uh, take advantage of uh, all kinds of benefits. And um, at the end of the day, I, I don't want to argue with economists, but I, I believe that the reported inflation, or the CPI, unfortunately, <laughs> underreports the real street inflation. Absolutely. Uh, and that's the reality. You can't you can't believe what the government tells you. Unfortunately, I, I wish uh, I wish we had. Uh, you know, just final comments. So I grew up in the former Soviet Union, and I'm a political mm-hmm. refugee. I got away from them. I got to America, and it's a great country. It's been many years. I'm a U.S. citizen. I've been here for much longer than I, I was there. Over there, there was one source of information. It was all propaganda. Single party was always pushing what, what you were supposed to know, believe. You come over here. And then you're realizing now you got two major parties mm-hmm. and they're pushing completely opposite stories. So uh-huh. it, now it's difficult to believe information here either because uh-huh. you've got uh, two versions of the history, two versions of the truth. <laughs> exactly. It, it, it comes down to you as an individual you need to make your own opinion and, and build your own thoughts. And unfortunately, the, uh, the government data and the government uh, uh, presentation of the truth can be manipulated and not necessarily the real truth. So I'm not exactly. creating these grand conspiracy theories. I'm just saying, uh, <laughs> be smart in your own way. Uh, yeah. so amen to that. 
Uh, I appreciate you, uh, Chris. Thank you kindly. And we are done. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Big Mike Fun Podcast. To receive your copy of Mike's How to Choose a Smart Real Estate Fun Book, head to BigMikeFun.com or visit Amazon and type Mike's slot name. Keep listening and keep investing Big Mike style. See you on the next episode.